Hi everyone, I'm Kaylee, and today we're going to be talking about how to start your own beauty business. So let's get stuck in. Right, so you decided that you want to start your own beauty business, but where do you start? So it can feel like a little bit of a minefield out there, so hopefully the kind of basic info that I'm going to be giving you today is going to give you a little bit of a map to guide yourself through. Um, I am working from home at the moment, so if you see cats running around, then um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the nature of what's happening at the moment. Um, I've also got the dog running around so you can probably hear him as well. There's a little bit of a madhouse here but hopefully we can get through it and we'll be alright. So, um, I have worked in the beauty industry for nearly 10 years now and it's been uh, ups and downs. Um, I started off life working in the law and decided that it really wasn't for me um, and I wanted to do something uh, a bit more meaningful. Um, and so I decided to retrain and go into holistic therapy and worked in a few different salons and tried to look for mobile work as well and then went um, and moved 200 miles uh, away from where um, I grew up and started all over again with a beauty salon and a training academy and now we have satellite trainers uh, across the country that work for us and um, so it's been a bit of um, an experience to say the least and um, with people that you now know that you can trust and people that you know that you can't um, pitfalls and brilliant victories along the way so hopefully my experiences will be able to help you with starting your own beauty business um, so the main thing that you need to start off with is obviously where you're going to do your education um, because if you're not qualified you can't do this um, even though the beauty industry in the UK is not entirely regulated as such there are authorities that are out there that um, advise the government and they help create um, frameworks that we need to work within um, they are voluntary however um, there is strong campaigning to try and regulate the industry a little bit more. Um, so the main ones that you need to look at are Havia, the Health and Industry Beauty Authority and the National Federation for Hair and Beauty. Um, so they are the ones that kind of help advise the government on different areas within the industry itself, um, different niches and how we should be working within that industry. So they will kind of give you guidance along the way in addition to whatever information that I can give you. Um, education wise, you've got a couple of different options. So you can either go and do a MVQ or um, VTCT qualification. And these can be taken at um, colleges. You can either do them full time or part time. Um, if you are doing them as a retraining experience, if you've already been in the workforce and wanting to retrain and go into beauty, then generally you'll be able to access these qualifications under the government Learn Alone, um, which means that you won't pay them back until you earn over a certain um, amount. 
um, the amount does change um, so I'd definitely have a look on the government website as to what the current um, cap is before you start repaying qualifications. Um, that way you can then go and do um, an MVQ or a VTCT um, and you will have a more in-depth qualification um, ranging on a varied amount of subjects. So you can do a level 3 MVQ in massage therapy which will cover different forms of massage. Um, you can do sports massage, you can do um, an MVQ in makeup, um, hairdressing, there's a wide range that's out there now. Um, another option is for you to go via the short course method and um, this is something that I started with when I decided that I wanted to retrain because when I was retraining I was still working in the law so I didn't have the option and the flexibility to go to college um, because m my work schedule just didn't allow it and um, so I used my holidays um, to go and take short courses and they gave me nationally recognised diplomas um, as long as you make sure they are accredited with the right people so always check your accreditation um, and it meant that I could qualify in an individual subject as I went so I started with Swedish massage and then built on it with hot stone massage reflexology, Indian head massage and then started branching out into more mainstream beauty treatments so your lash extensions, Russian volume waxing, um, henna brows, um, dermaplaning, that sort of thing and that's how I kind of built um, most of my qualifications. Um, I then went back to college twice and upped my qualifications from a diploma to MVQs so I did a level 4 in micropigmentation um, which is the cosmetic tattooing for eyebrows, eyeliner and lips and I also did a MVQ in um, nail technology, which meant that I could up my diplomas into an MVQ from uh, for dealing with subjects like manicure, pedicure, acrylics, e-file, that sort of thing. So there is no limit as to how many subjects that you can take um, in terms of your short courses, which is nice. A lot of companies do offer finance facilities as well. Um, we offer 0% finance for our students for bulk bookings so they can pick a, a range of subjects and then build on that through the 0% um, finance facility to kind of get a good grounding of different subjects at once um, and then they tend to take the more advanced courses and keep building and building and building. Um, there is a bit of a stigma in the industry for short courses. Um, why I don't know. Um, things have changed quite a lot since I first entered the industry. I mean gel polish was only just starting to be a thing when I joined, that's showing my age. Um, so it's one of those things that if you're going to be self-employed and you, you really don't have the time to go to college then yes self uh, short courses are a great way to begin entering the industry. Um, if you have the time to go to college then yeah an MVQ can be great but you don't have to have an MVQ there are many many successful therapists that own their own salons and have huge teams and they don't have MVQs they just have um, the short courses qualification for diplomas and um, so don't 
be put off by short courses because they can be extremely beneficial in the right circumstances. Um, some people sit there and say, oh no, short courses, you can't learn enough. Um, I strongly beg to differ. Um, I've actually learned more on some of my short courses than I have taking an MVQ. Um, some people find that MVQs can be stretched out too long and can be too repetitive. Um, so taking a short course where everything is condensed, you do a lot of theory beforehand and then you go in and do your practical training and then you have a recap of all your theory as well. It, it can be really good to kind of niche and focus on that one subject and it can really help in terms of building your confidence just on one subject. So yeah, no matter what anyone says, I, I strongly disagree when it comes to um, knocking short courses. Um, there are different versions of short courses, so some you can do online and some you can do in person. Again, there is a little bit of misunderstanding, I think, on certain aspects of um, online training versus person-person training. Um, online training can be great for certain subjects in terms of refreshers. It can also be great in terms of those who want a basic understanding or their circumstances just don't mean that they can get out to go and do training in person. And they have their place. Everyone will find their own path. Um, so doing online training, just check your accreditation and make sure that you find an insurance company that will cover your online training. Um, a lot of things are moving online now. Um, so I think the stigma is actually going to be knocked on the head somewhat um, in terms of the fact that, especially with the situation that we're in with COVID-19, that we're working from home. A lot of accreditation bodies that previously wouldn't allow online training are now allowing training via Zoom and Skype, for example. So I think they're starting to see the benefits and whether things will change post COVID-19 is a big question. And I strongly hope that they will because not everyone can travel out, not everyone has transport and not everyone wants to actually go out and do it. They're more um, comfortable learning via this kind of format online. And if that's what works best for you, then that's what works best for you. And I strongly hope the accreditation companies start taking a look at that. Um, there are benefits for certain subjects. So if you're doing something like um, your aesthetics treatments, for example, the, you know, when you're using your needles and things like that, you really should be doing in-person training for those. Um, purely because if something could go wrong, it can go really wrong. So you need to have a look and kind of ask yourself a question, is this really something that I can learn online? Um, if you're doing something like a henna browse course, for example, there is no reason at all why you can't learn that online. Um, and it's not something that's covered under MVQs. Um, you will find with MVQs that they haven't actually been updated that much and there is quite a call for people to update the MVQs, the awarding bodies, to look at the curriculums and 
make sure that they're actually bought up into the latest trends. Um, a lot of the electrical facials that are taught under MVQ, for example, are mostly um, things that are not used as mainstream anymore. Um, there is peaks and troughs in terms of trends um, where they will come back into fashion for a little while, but the fact that you don't learn um, skin pills, the fact that you don't learn um, dermaplaning and it's that type of thing that and LED facials for example that they're not put into MVQs so people have to go and do short courses in those so that's kind of yeah your education aspect so take a look and kind of figure out what you want to do now once you figure out your training and your qualification you then need to look at how you're actually going to deliver your services so the next big question will be are you going to be mobile are you going to work from home are you going to rent a chair or are you going to make the jump and go and open your own salon now if you are just entering the industry i would strongly advise that you do not go and open your own salon straight away because you don't know if you are strongly going to make a good living from this um, it's one of the things in this country um, in the uk that we don't get paid as well as we should for the treatments that we do. Um, for example, if we um, if we were doing lash extensions, for example, it, it's one of the treatments that I do the most of. So if I was in the States, I would be earning anything between $100 to $200, whereas if, over here, I can only earn $30 to $50. It's a huge decrease in value. And it's because people don't see it as a luxury treatment over here. They see it as a necessity. So the price has been driven down so much that us therapists, unfortunately, don't get, don't get paid as much as we should. So if you can open the salon straight away, be sure that you are doing treatments that you can really make a good profit in. Um, one of the easiest ways to start up is being mobile or working from home. So being mobile is nice and easy, you just got to remember to keep your kit nice and small because otherwise you've got to lug uh, two or three suitcases with you everywhere. Um, obviously if you're doing holistic therapy then you're going to have to lug a couch with you everywhere. So definitely take that into consideration um, and you've also got to be comfortable going into other people's homes. Um, if you work from home, if you've got a spare bedroom for example, or I started in my conservatory and um, that's how my school ended up with its name, the sunroom, um, because I just moved up here, I wasn't going to invest in a commercial property, so I started from home as redoing my business and that meant I could keep my overheads low whilst, whilst I rebuilt my client base because I had to start from scratch, I didn't know anyone up here. Um, so. If you can work from home, it's good. Always check with your council because you're going to need to check to see whether you need to register for business rates. Nine times out of ten, don't panic because you won't have to pay business rates. You will get small business relief because the room will be smaller than a rateable value, but it's just worth double checking. And if you're registered as a business correctly, when it comes to situations like we're in now with COVID-19, if you'd register for business rates on your, your room that you're using at home as a commercial premises, essentially, then you would have been entitled to your £10,000 grant that's been issued by the, the government. So you would have got financial support during this situation. So there is merits to actually playing by the rules and doing everything 
correctly and ticking all the boxes. So just a word of warning there. Um, so they're kind of easy ones to work with. If you are doing any form of cosmetic tattooing or anything involving injectables and you're working from home, you are going to need a sink in your room. It, most councils with their bylaws, when they come up to check, they will not allow you to do cosmetic tattooing in a room without a sink. And that sink has to have hot water as well. So have a look at catering sinks. They're a nice, cheap, easy option to use in your room so that you can just plug it in. It's like a big tear effectively. It will heat the water up and that way you've got the hot water and the sink in your room. You just empty it out when it's full and that's it. It's nice and easy. Um, it's a quick and easy setup and you can usually pick them up second hand um, for about 150 to 300 pounds depending on what kind of system that you're looking for. Um, another thing to think about if you're working from home is obviously the rest of your household. Um, I found that working from home was rather difficult for me because my partner works shifts so he does two days and two nights and then he's off for four days so when he's got up after doing a 12 hour shift and having a bit of sleep ready for his next shift walking around like a zombie in his dressing gown it wasn't very helpful so for me that's why I then made the jump to go into a commercial premises because it just worked out a lot better for me so renting a chair this can be quite a good cost-effective um, method of starting um, because usually you just use your own products, you pay your commission, you choose what days you want to be in the salon and you can actually position yourself in multiple salons in the area so that you can try and build a client base in the different salons. So it's definitely something that's good if you're willing to put the effort in. But the only issue is if you're renting a chair, sometimes you pay a day rate instead of your commission and a day rate means that even if you are not there and you're not working, nine times out of ten, you're going to have to pay your day rate, which can be anything from £20 up to £35 a day to use the space that you're occupying because the salon owner is not going to get income if you're not there, so they're still going to charge you rent. It's exactly the same as renting a premises, but just on a smaller amount that you have to pay. So I hope that that's helped in terms of where you can work and kind of ins and outs on your basic information with those um, and then we're going to look at your um, setting up your business so you need to register yourself to be self-employed if you're going to be working for yourself and um, you can do that via the government website um, or if you're very very lucky and these positions are quite rare nowadays you can be employed um, which means that you will be employed by the owner and you'll have to play by the owner's rules on anything involving getting new clients. If you're self-employed, you can take things at your own pace and you can control when you work, when you don't, um, and when you want to do marketing. Um, so it is up to you as to which avenue you take in terms of being employed or self-employed. One thing to do bear in mind is that if you are self-employed, you can earn more than you would being just employed because you're not on a set salary. If you have a really good month, you will take home that bigger chunk that you've earned after you've paid your day rate or your commission out. So there are merits to putting in the extra work of being self-employed. Um, I don't think I'd ever go back to being employed by anyone else again. Um, it's one of those things that now I know how much I can earn being self-employed, uh, I wouldn't work for anyone else. Um, but that's just my opinion. You might find that you want to work for someone else. 
so they're kind of your basics really so you need to look at your education you need to look at where you're going to work and you need to look at whether you're going to be self-employed or employed there are three main points that you need to consider when starting your own beauty business after that it's just a case of learning how to market yourself building up a client portfolio and from there the world is your oyster so i hope that's helped and as always can i ask that you please subscribe hit the subscribe button and press the bell press the bell notification button so that you can be notified when i have a new video out and i hope to see you guys again soon bye